Welcome to the Red Letter Christians podcast. Red Letter Christians gets our name from the Bibles that highlight the words of Jesus in red. And we're aspiring to live as if Jesus meant the stuff he said. We know that the loudest, most prominent voices representing Christianity in America haven't always been the most beautiful or the most faithful voices. And we know that the way we change the narrative is by changing the narrators. We are committed to amplifying the voices of people who are dedicated to Jesus and to justice. Hello, everybody. This is Shane Claiborne. Thank you for joining me for this show. I've got to say I'm coming into this show with a heavy heart, y'all. We've had back-to-back mass shootings in our country. As many of you know, the folks all over the country around the world are looking at America grieving and outraged that uh, we continue to see one mass shooting after another. The most recent in Uvalde, Texas, in the elementary school there, where uh, the numbers keep going up every hour, it seems like, but we we know that 19 children were killed. This is a school that had two second to fourth graders. It also had two teachers that were killed, and we're getting news uh, constantly about what's happening there. But this comes on the back of one of the most horrific acts of uh, overt racial hatred uh, in Buffalo as a young Uh, white supremacist, 18-year-old, traveled many, many miles, three hours to get to uh, a mostly African-American community where he targeted uh, that community with his hatred and violence and took the lives of 10 people. And I mean, those funerals are still happening, you all. Those, those, Those families are still grieving and then we're hit with another massacre in Texas. So I want to just pause today and remember that text, uh, that place in scripture where it says Jesus wept over Jerusalem because they didn't know the things that would bring peace. And it seems to me quite clear that Jesus is weeping over America right now. I talked to one of my friends in Buffalo yesterday that's been on the ground. Many pastors and counselors and therapists will be going to that community uh, to help the the people there grieve and process uh, the loss and trauma. But as I was just talking to my friend, he he started weeping and we we cried together. And I want to just stop and read the names of those who lost their lives. in Buffalo. And again, we don't even know the names of all the children yet that have lost their lives in Texas, but these are the the, the folks that lost their lives in Buffalo, New York. Every single one of them, a child of God made in the image of God. Celestine Cheney, 65 years old. Roberta Drury, Roberta was 32 years old. Andre McNeil, 53 years old. Catherine Massey, 72 years old. Margus Morrison, 52. Hayward Patterson, 
67. Aaron Salter Jr., 55 years old. Geraldine Talley, 62 years old. Pearl Young, 77 years old. Ruth Whitfield, 86. As I read those names, especially the, the, the last two, I think 86 year, years old, 77 years old, these are elders. These are folks that have seen so much. African-American elders that come from a legacy of racism and slavery, and it continues to leave its mark on our country. Uh, you may have seen that this 18-year-old that was a radicalized white supremacist, a terrorist really, um, wrote a manifesto about why he was carrying out this massacre and why he was targeting African-Americans. And, and sometimes our news says that these people were lone wolves, you know, that they were uh, uh, single lone shooters. But the truth is they're not alone at all. They've got a whole cloud of witnesses in uh, Congress, senators, they've got media folks, Tucker Carlson and others, supporters of Donald Trump that continue to fan the flames of hatred and then try to wipe the blood from their hands. As Pontius Pilate did, but to, to, to say that this person is a, a, a lone wolf shooter is just not accurate. We have a, an entire uh, cesspool of racism and hatred that continues to, to uh, breed these homegrown uh, terrorists. And, it, and it, it turns, you know, as we look at the mass shootings in America, they're overwhelmingly men, young men. Uh, they're, they're overwhelmingly white. Um, and, and, you know, this, this doesn't come from nowhere. So I, I want to talk about it a little bit. This is a spiritual crisis. It's also a social crisis, a public health crisis in, in, in our country. Uh, but there are those who say that, you know, what we have is not a gun problem, it's a heart problem. And I want to say that they're partly right. Uh, we, we, we need to avoid these binaries, right? It can be, gun violence can be both a heart problem and a policy problem. Uh, and, and when it comes to heart, uh, only God can change a heart. And that's why this is a spiritual crisis, no law, no matter how good our laws are, no law can change a human heart. You can't legislate love. You can't make hatred illegal. Uh, but what we can do, as Martin Luther King said, he said this so well, he said, a law cannot make you love me, but it can make it harder for you to kill me. <laughs> right? And that's what we've got to think about is how can we make it harder for folks to kill other folks? How can, how can we do a better job at protecting life? Uh, we could get rid of every gun in our country, and, and, and yet uh, folks would find other ways of carrying out their hatred and violence. We, we've seen people turn uh, a pressure cooker into a bomb, as, as it was used in the Boston Mar Marathon bombing. Uh, we've seen people use a car as a weapon and drive cars into crowds. But the fact is that there are some things that are unique and exceptional about America. And this is it. Um, 
easy access to guns. Every country in the world has sinful, broken people, uh, folks that are racist, folks that are uh, prone to violence, people that struggle with mental health. Uh, th- th- those, those folks are everywhere in every country. But what is unique about America is we are giving these broken, sinful people, all of us, easy access to guns, almost unregulated, unrestricted access to not just any guns too, but we still have assault rifles, y'all, that are legal on our streets. Guns like the AR-15, which incidentally, the news is still coming out, but it looks like an assault rifle in the style of the AR-15s was the weapon used both in Buffalo and in Uh, Uvalde, Texas. So this is a gun that is a weapon of war. It is designed, the AR-15 is designed to kill as many people as possible, as quickly as possible. And that's exactly what it keeps getting used for over and over so we don't, you know, in in, in America, we don't have hand gr- grenades uh, on our streets. We uh, Hand grenades are illegal. And yet assault rifles, weapon, military style weapons are still legal on our streets. So what can we do to better protect life? I want to, you know, also say that there are folks that say, you know, don't, we shouldn't get political after a mass shooting. Uh, you know, we shouldn't talk about gun safety after a mass shooting, but it's, I kind of think of it like this. Uh, After a train wreck where tons of people lose their lives is exactly the right time to talk about train safety, right? How we can make trains safer. Like, and after mass shootings is exactly when we should be talking about gun policies that could save lives all over our country, politicians and preachers are offering thoughts and prayers. And at Red Letter Christians, and certainly me personally, I mean, I I believe in prayer. I believe in the power of prayer. I believe that God uh, is at work in our world. Miracles are possible. Healing needs the Holy Spirit. And I also believe that prayer can become a place to hide. Right. And that's what's happening with so many of our our uh, politicians and preachers is uh, they're offering thoughts and prayers after mass shootings while simultaneously refusing to take action in ways that would stop mass shootings and protect more lives. So it is literally a way that we can take the Lord's name in vain if we offer thoughts and prayers without getting up off of our knees and taking action. Uh, One of my mentors said, uh, good things come to those who wait upon the Lord. We've all heard that. And he said, that's true sometimes, but this is also true sometimes. Good things also come to those who get off their butts and get off their knees after they pray and put those prayers into action. So we can be people of prayer and people of action. And what we need right now in America uh, are, are not just more empty thoughts and prayers, but we need action. We need to remember that faith without words is dead and that our our faith demands something of us so i you know i think of policies as like dr king said pr- trying to protect life and 
uh, when we think of guns in particular, um, uh, there are so many things that I think we can do to protect life, not just laws, um, but we have technology that we could use, uh, like fingerprint technology, right? We've got it on our phones. Some of us have it on bank cards or home security systems. There is no reason that we can't have fingerprint technology on guns. Uh, the only reason we don't is because of a lack of incentive uh, and because of the cost it might cut uh, uh, the, the profits that people, gun makers are, are, are receiving from gun sales. So uh, we, we, it's not a matter of will, but uh, a, a matter of compassion and justice. So, uh, you know, it, it's, it's not a matter of can we do it, but it is a matter of will, willpower. Will we do it? Will we have the conscience that causes us to take action? So I also think about cars, right? So think about cars. Cars are not designed to kill, but they can be deadly. And so we've done all kinds of things in America to keep people safe, from automobiles. We've added seat belts. We've added airbags. Technology, right, has evolved in ways that can protect life. But we also have all kinds of things that people have to do to have a car. You, you've got to pass a test. You've got to uh, have a driver's license. You, If you misuse your car, you can lose your license. Uh, maybe we should have the same thing with guns, right? Uh, that uh, Guns are one of the, uh, the, the most unregulated industries in our country. In fact, there are, catch this, y'all, there are more regulations on toy guns than there are real guns. Listen, if, if I have a friend that I'm playing with Nerf guns and they shoot me and that Nerf toy gun blinds my eye, I can sue the manufacturer. I can sue Nerf. But the gun industry is immune. There are laws in the United States that actually protect gun profiteers, gun sailors, and gun manufacturers from any responsibility or liability. And so these are these are these are things that we can change. We know we can change them. So you know, I mean, uh, we we've done a lot of work to try to protect people from cars and we can do a lot of more to protect people from guns. I want to just throw a few ideas out there, right? So here's the interesting thing. As we think of those lives lost and the names that we heard, the names we don't even yet know of the, the kids that were killed in Texas. And listen, part of the reason that we don't have those names is they're still, they're still trying to identify the bodies. Some of these kids are unidentifiable right now. So they're taking fingerprints or trying to match them with their parents. That's what we're up against, like evil, right? And so many of these politicians are saying that they are pro-life. But I want to say you cannot be pro-life and ignore gun violence. Abortion is not the only issue. It's, a, it's an issue that I care about. We talk about it on this show. I want to do whatever we can to reduce the number of abortions in our country and to get at the bottom of why people need abortions. But listen to this. Life does not begin at conception and end at birth, right? We got to be not just pro-birth, but pro-life to care about life after birth as well as life before birth. And this is what has happened in the United States of America. For many years, 
uh, gun deaths, firearms have been the number one cause of death of African-American kids. And African-American kids are 10 times more likely than white kids to die from guns. But this past year, guns became the number one cause of death of all of our kids. Number one for all Americans. And our children's lives are at stake. We have people in this country who have been more committed to protecting guns than protecting our children. Y'all, guns are not made in the image of God, but our children are. Human beings are. We've got to do a better job at protecting life. So what can we do? I mean, I want to, I want to throw out a few ideas that the good news is this 90% of Americans, 90% want to see some common sense changes when it comes to gun laws and policies in our country. And depending on uh, the issue, overwhelmingly a majority of gun owners want to see those changes happen too. And these are just a few of them that I, I would suggest, and these resonate with most Americans. We could have a limit on the capacity of guns, right? So you can't shoot more than 10 rounds, say, without reloading. It would make, it would ban assault rifles and high capacity magazines. We now have guns that can shoot over a hundred rounds in a minute. When the Second Amendment was written in the United States, the right to bear arms. Now listen to this. Gun shot one or two rounds a minute, but now they shoot a hundred rounds a minute. So limiting the capacity of magazines, having things like background checks, right? Licensing, you got to pass a test. Uh, we could uh, uh, prohibit domestic abusers from accessing guns. Uh, because we know that domestic violence often leads to domestic homicide. And one indicator of someone who is pro prone to do gun violence is that they are also a perpetrator of domestic violence. So we can do some background checks. We can also have some limitations, right? Folks are not saying, let's just immediately take away all guns. One of the things that we could do is a law called one handgun a month that limits the number of handguns. And please, y'all, this is just handguns. So often used in crime. One handgun a month, 12 handguns per person in the United States a year. 12 handguns a year. Who wants more than 12 handguns? I'll tell you, somebody that is not making the world safer and is probably making a fair amount of money off of handguns. So these are the common sense changes, right? Uh, should we have to uh, maybe a minimum age? Both of these shooters in Buffalo and in Texas were 18 years old. Y'all, they can't even rent a car. You can't rent a car in the U.S. till you're 25. You can't buy a beer until you're 18. You, and yet, we are allowing 18-year-olds to buy assault rifles, to buy unlimited guns. So we know that a disproportionate amount of gun violence happens in the teenage years, 18 to 20 years old. And yet, those are raising the limit the age limit to 21 could make a difference. So these are just some of the laws that we're, we're suggesting. Access to, to understand the research. We have 
the gun lobby is blocking any research in the same way the tobacco companies blocked research because it might show that cancer, that, that tobacco use and smoking cigarettes cause cancer and it might cut down the profits that they're making. The gun industry is doing the same thing. So these are some of the, the laws I think we could have. How about this? Reporting stolen guns. Did you know it's not even uh, required in some states to report stolen guns, even though we know like 80% of crime guns are done with lost or stolen guns. So we need to be able to know where, uh, when, when guns are stolen, we need to require people to lock them up and keep them safe. There are so many things we can do, y'all. So let's just keep the dialogue going and let's keep the pressure up because the best way that we can honor the lives lost in Texas, the lives lost in, in, in Buffalo, New York, are to take action and do something about gun violence. Listen, after Sandy Hook happened, this massacre in Texas, in, in Uvalde, Texas, is the worst mass shooting in a school that we've had in 10 years since Sandy Hook. This year is the 10th anniversary of Sandy Hook, where 20 children were massacred, killed in their school, and many adults with them. And after Sandy Hook, we said never again, but we've let it happen again and again and again. And then we throw up our thoughts and prayers, and I believe sometimes we are waiting on God and God is actually waiting on us that God has given us the ability to make some changes ourselves and we need to pray, but we also need to take action. My brother Miroslav Volf, uh, he's a wonderful, you know, theologian Miroslav, he said, there is something deeply hypocritical about praying for a problem that you are unwilling to resolve. <laughs> there is something deeply hypocritical about praying for a problem that you are unwilling to resolve yourself. So let's pray for the victims, but let's also take action. And you all around the world that are listening, I know many of you are scratching your head as you think about the United States and going, why can't they do something? You know, after Australia had a mass shooting, they immediately rose up and made some changes that have saved so many lives. So this is not impossible. And for people of faith, people who are for life, who believe every person is made in the image of God, we should be a force for life on this issue as well as others. And when we think of policies, it, again, it doesn't change everything. We need God to heal hearts. Oh, we need the Lord right now to heal hearts. I think all those families that have been shattered, those teachers and principals and first responders, we need to pray for them right now. We also need to say love requires something more of us too. To love our neighbor as ourself means that we are trying to uh, care about the policies that are affecting their lives. To love our neighbor as ourself means that we want laws and policies that will protect their lives and allow people to flourish, that will protect, make it harder for people to kill. So pray for us as we, we, we try to see some of our leaders take courage. And this is also a form of idolatry. You know, idols are things that we uh, put this sacred, God-like, reverence to 
We attribute this sacredness that is only for God. But there's a reverence that we have for guns. This, uh, these promises that we think that they will protect us or rid the world of evil. And I hear the scriptures saying some may trust in chariots and some may trust in horses, but we will trust in our God that we, we don't trust in our guns to protect us. There are those that say, you know, the answer to our gun problem is we just need more guns. And my goodness, it's like say, an alcoholic saying, I got a drinking problem. I need some whiskey right now. Like we, we cannot fight fire with fire. Uh, more guns are not going to solve our gun problem. More bombs are not going to uh, make the world a safer place. Like uh, as Dr. King said, uh, love uh, can only drive out hatred. Violence cannot drive out violence. And so we've got to choose Jesus right now, the Prince of Peace, the one who told us, if we live by the sword, we'll die by the sword. And we've proved those words true over and over. We have lived by the gun and died by the gun. We've protected guns more than our children. We have taken the Second Amendment. We, we, we've We've taken the Second Amendment more seriously than the Sermon on the Mount. Can you imagine if every Christian in America took the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the peacemakers, love your enemy, if we took that as passionately in our core as many Christians take the Second Amendment, the right to bear arms. Oh, we have work to do, y'all. Pray for us as we grieve the lives lost and pray for us as we try to honor those lives lost by taking action to end gun violence. This is a political crisis in our country on so many fronts, but it is also a spiritual crisis. Thank you for joining me. This is Shane Claiborne, and uh, I'll see you next week. Pray for us. Pray for our country. It's broken in need of healing. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Red Letter Christians podcast. Too often, Christians have used our faith as a ticket into heaven and a license to ignore the world we live in. But at Red Letter Christians, we believe our faith is not just about going to heaven when we die, but also about bringing heaven to earth while we live. For more information on Red Letter Christians and upcoming events, additional resources, you can go to the show notes or our website, redletterchristians.org. You can also support Red Letter Christians by giving a one-time donation or becoming a monthly sustainer. Just go to our website and click the red donate button. Thank you for being a part of this conversation and for being a part of this movement.